We are very proud to announce uh, new mandatory learning on black history for students in grade 7, and 8, and 10, so that we build a country that is united around those Canadian values, that celebrate our differences, that breaks down systemic barriers, and that helps ensure equality of opportunity for every child in this province. That's our Education Minister Stephen Lecce making an announcement yesterday, fittingly, at the Lincoln Alexander Public School in Ajax. Admittedly, I learned more about Link after a bust was recently unveiled at Queen's Park and after speaking with Rosemary Sadler, past president of the Ontario Black History Society, who's back again to walk us through this announcement. Rosemary, thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for mentioning the unveiling of the Lincoln-Alexander bust. Uh, We're so happy with all the partners that came on to help us with that. Um, And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what this new black curriculum will mean. What if anything was being taught before? I'm sorry, what if anything? Like, how much of black history was being taught, if anything at all, in uh, in our curriculum in grades 7, 8, and 10 before? Well, I, I, you know, it might sound unkind, but, you know, frankly, not too much. In grade 7, it was roughly going to, grade 7 and 8, it's roughly about uh, black loyalists, maybe a mention. Um, because you tend to focus on Underground Railroad and that whole first freedom movement uh, more in grades four, five, and six. So black loyalists and a little bit about um, the formation of Canada and where black people might be included in that. Um, But unfortunately, it was usually just a mention, because I think that if you asked most Canadians, they would still not know that there were actually people of African origin who were black loyalists, loyalists like any of the other uh, former uh, defenders of this country. I would agree with that. I think we don't know enough about our history. Uh, I don't know if it's the way it's taught to us. I'm not sure. But I, I will say, I think it's important to add everyone who has made a specific contribution of, of any worth to uh, our curriculum. I, I didn't know who Viola Desmond was until we put her on the 10. I'm embarrassed. Well, and, and I would go into schools because, I, as you know, I, I had done like over 2,000 presentations in schools and whatnot, and they would always talk about Rosa Parks, and she was wonderful, and she was actually a very beautiful, fragile woman, yeah. but they would never mention her, and, and I think it's because we generally don't talk a lot about ourselves, and unfortunately, when we, ourselves includes people of African origin, for sure they don't get mentioned. So we have almost a one-to-one correspondence of famous people in the United States that have a counterpart here that we don't ever hear about. So uh, the fact as you, that you said that not until she was on the $10 bill did we learn, that's not exactly a surprise. It's actually sad. But in the meantime, I had been including her story uh, in all of the Black History presentations I was doing since at least 1990, because yeah. I, I had met her. I had met um, Carrie Best, and, and Carrie Best had been a publisher who talked about her. I had met um, Viola's family, including her, her ex-husband, in the process of researching one of my books. So I she was a tangible living being. I, I knew Mayanne Francis, the former lieutenant governor of Uh, Nova Scotia, who was close to her and and had her hair done by Viola Desmond, as well as George Elliott Clark, who knew of her family. Hmm. So, you know, we have the lived experience of knowing about amazing people in our midst. But that isn't something that the rest of the the community has the advantage of knowing. And that's the reason. If you're in the community, maybe you know. But if you're not, how would you come to know? 
Yeah, and she was an incredibly brave uh, woman. We're speaking with Rosemary Sadler, who's past president of the Ontario Black History Society. Um, you know, I think part of it, you know, she sat down in a in a whites-only area of a movie theater in 1946. She was our, our Rosa Park. But um, I wonder if part of the reason why most Canadians didn't know who Viola De- Desmond was before she was put onto the $10 bill is because we like to think there was no segregation here. Nothing bad happened here. Well, and and here's the thing. Just as you mentioned that, I did uh, three presentations in a fabulous school yesterday in Markham, and the kids were amazing, but they were actually quite horrified. I could, and even one of the teachers was horrified when I mentioned that we had segregated schools in Canada, and we did. In Ontario, for example, um, the Common Schools Act of 1850, this was a Catholic school I was in, helped to create Catholics, the Catholic school system, but it also helped to create separate black schools. And the majority of those schools in Ontario were going to be um, west of, of Toronto. So I believe there were some for sure in Windsor and Chatham, but there may also have been some in London and in Guelph and uh, Hamilton. Is that right? Wow, that that's mind-blowing to to learn of that today because I had no idea. I love having you on, Rosemary. Rosemary, I want to play something from um, the Minister of Education yesterday where he talked about the curric- curriculum breakdown and then ask you what you think of it. Uh, Dave, it would be clip number four if you could play that. In grade seven and in eight, students will learn from the 18th century to the 20th century pre-Confederation history of the immense contributions that black individuals made to building, safeguarding, and creating Canada. Uh, the history of the black community precedes Canada's founding. I think many young people will be astounded to find out that incredible contribution and the sacrifice they made. In grade 10 history, we will include mandatory learning, a specific expectations within the curriculum that will educate young people on post-World War II history. Should this be its own unit or weaved into the general history lesson? Because it's not clear from what uh, Stephen Lecce is saying on how that will be delivered. Well, absolutely. The whole announcement is... It's great, but it isn't clear. You're right. So how will it be um, put out there? How will teachers be trained to present this material? Because you have to remember the teachers, just like all everyone else in this country, have been denied the opportunity to learn black history themselves, and not every teacher is in the community to just know. So I think, though, the intent in terms of wanting to highlight the reality that people of African descent have been in this country long before Canada was formed is is critical because we're building on those foundations. But I also want to point out that prior to 1867, for example, we had a 200-year experience of the enslavement of Pani or First Nations and African Canadians. And that, um, while the enslavement of First Nations tended to kind of dissipate a bit, Africans were enslaved continuously until August the 1st, 1834. So that's another piece of the story, Um, an unfortunate piece, but I think that we have to be reflective of all the aspects that are part of our story so that we can appreciate fully where we are at right now. Yeah, it it does show how uh, far we've come, and I think it's important. Is this more important, this new curriculum uh, where we will focus on uh, black history, and I think it's a long time coming, is it more important for black students who will see themselves reflected as being a part of building this nation that we're so proud of, or for non-black students who have no idea the contributions that have been made? Right. Well, I think that's the whole point. Black history can be incredibly affirming, 
for people of African descent. They see themselves reflected. They learn that they are standing on the shoulders of others who've gone before them. They find out more about contributors and developments. But it's also super important for everybody who's not black. Um, they need to understand that everything that happened in the past was not done by one racial group nor by one gender. They need to have that appreciation. And I think that if, you know, even for, uh, if you, it's very hard to find that, but a, 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 co- a community that might be predominantly white, um, if they have their children going off to school or going in to be serviced by professionals, they shouldn't be shocked because they're encountering a black person for the first time if they are already familiar with some of the things that they have contributed to this country. So the whole point is not just a bunch of facts and figures. It's about creating the kind of society that we need so that everybody's contributions can be fully incorporated so that we can live in peace and harmony. I know, a bit of an ideal, but that's what we're all aiming for all the time. Yeah, but it's a good ideal to have. Mm, I think so. Yeah. So I only have under a minute with you, but if you could give us one name of an important black Canadian that you think should be in this curriculum, who would that be? <laughs> you know, that's a trick question. <laughs> I didn't mean it to be. <laughs> <laughs> because there's so many. Um, you know, I think that um, it would be a disservice if we focus on one. Uh, it would be a disservice if the, the curriculum only focused on um, one black man or one black woman as if they were like superpowers in our community without having the opportunity to reflect on more than that. Well, I didn't mean um, one, but I meant like one that shouldn't be left out. Well, I have a personal favorite. Um, let's talk about Harriet Tubman and let's talk about Marianne Schatt. Uh Harriet Tubman, because she embodies... Um, resistance from slavery in terms of making people free on the first freedom movement in the Americas, among others, and Marianne Shad, who represents the intellectual approach to um, resistance by doing what she could through her writing. And she became the first black woman and the first woman in North America to found and edit a newspaper. I have to leave it at that. Those are great names. I'm going to have to do some reading. I appreciate you giving me a jumping off point. Thank you so much, Rosemary. Thank you, too. Great interview.